be attentive. In those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists murmured against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the body of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Prochorus, and Nicanor and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands upon them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Peace be with you, the reader. member of the council who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus and Pilate wondered if he were already dead and summoning the centurion he asked him whether he was already dead and when he learned from the centurion that he was dead he granted the body to Joseph and he bought a linen shroud and taking him down wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock and he rolled a stone against the door of the tomb Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid and when the Sabbath was passed Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him And very early on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb when the sun had risen. 
And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the door of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone was rolled back, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen, he is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There will you see him, as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had come upon them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were To all the people and to your spirit. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. It seems odd to have been absent from this community on the Sunday of St. Thomas. Because on Pascha we have the Agape Vespers, and then I wasn't here for the next Sunday, and so it seems like a very long time since I've been standing right here ready to give a homily, even though we uh, did this a few times during Holy Week. It struck me when I read this gospel passage in preparation for the homily that the disciples scattered. They had not been there for the most part when Jesus was crucified. And they certainly weren't there for this event. But these myrrh-bearing women chiefly led by the mother of God herself They had no fear at all. They hadn't even thought far enough ahead to figure out who was going to roll away the stone from the entry of the tomb. How they were even going to get past the guards. They weren't afraid until after they had seen the empty tomb. Then, listening to the angels and having that heavenly encounter, then they were amazed. Then they were seized with fear. But not to go and finish the Jewish burial rites of their master, of her son, of the one that they loved and were devoted to. And I really believe that maybe the myrrh-bearing women wouldn't have even finished this if it hadn't been for their leader, the Holy Theotokos. Because who loved her son 
more than her? Who was more devoted to him than her? Who would then be so filled with courage and with self-sacrifice, but the one who had been sacrificing for his sake from the beginning? And so we could say that she led them early, early in the morning, before it was even light, the very earliest that they could to fulfill the three days that Christ was to be in the tomb and to be dead. It's amazing what happens when we are filled with love and devotion, what we're willing to sacrifice, what we're willing to give up, what tremendous motivation there is. There is no greater motivator in all of the universe than love. We say sometimes fear is a powerful motivator, and it is. But nowhere near as powerful as love. And I didn't get to talk to you all on Mother's Day. So today I want to talk a little bit about parenting. Because I believe that this act of the whole entirety of the Murbearers, but particularly of the Panayia, is an act of a parent towards her son. Certainly of a servant towards her master, part of creation towards her creator. But more than that, a mother towards her son. I'm not going to talk about motherhood specifically, but just about parenting. Because I think it takes the same virtues of love and devotion, of a willingness to self-sacrifice, of courage, of commitment to be a good parent. And why do I even include courage? I include courage because sometimes we want to be our children's friend, not necessarily their mother or their father. And so in being their mother and their father and not necessarily being their friend all the time because we love them, it means necessarily that we're going to enter into conflict with our children. We're going to ask them to do things that they don't want to do. To push them in ways that they don't want to go. To see way beyond what they can see from our perspective And that puts them in an uncomfortable situation, and they let us know that. And we have to have the courage and the love and the self-sacrifice to not actually put ourselves first, but to put those children first, and therefore enter into that conflict for their sake. And I wanted to talk about it in the context of uh, parenting in the church. Because we need to be reminded from time to time of just how important it is for us to have our children in church, which we do, and to teach them painstakingly with love and patience and courage and self-sacrifice how to worship God as they are growing older at an age and appropriate level. It's interesting that in the Orthodox Church, 
We're given loud messages that overtly say, by God, we want our children in church. At 40 days, we church them. That's a young age. There are many, 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 many Protestant churches out there where those little kids never, ever see the sanctuary where the adults are. We baptize them as infants. Not only do we baptize them, but we also chrismate them or confirm them and we give them Holy Communion all at once as infants, making them full members of the body of Christ in every way. Why? Because we want them in church. And you know that I am one who has always been a proponent of children in church. Because if you raise them and train them from the beginning in the way that they should go, as they get older, if we're consistent, they will not deviate or alter from that path that we have set them on. They will, before God willing, they leave our homes, make the faith their own. They will convert themselves if we painstakingly and consistently teach them how to worship. And so we need to be reminded of just what does that mean. It doesn't mean that they're going to be 100% absolutely quiet because they're kids. So the rest of us, knowing that the church wants the children in church, we know we also have to be patient and loving and tolerant. But at the same time... Parents need to train up these children so that they know that they are in the holy place. That they are standing before the throne of God. That they are required to act accordingly with the right decorum, with the right order. And that is a tremendous responsibility for us parents. It means that we have to sacrifice our own Worship to a certain degree. Because we are, at the same time that we're in the church, parenting our children. We have to make sure that they're not running around. That they're with us. That they know when to make their cross. When to bow. When to stand. When to sit. It's not a playtime for them. When to be quiet. And if they can't be quiet... We need to quietly move them out. You can hear that someone is doing just that. We need to understand that during church, it is not breakfast. That takes place at home. We feed them because they need to eat at home. We don't feed them in the church until they come up for the chalice. Then they are able to eat and we give them on Diveron. We don't allow them to run around in the aisles. Even the young family room. And this is something that I probably have neglected to repeat often enough. We've never called it a cry room. It's not supposed to be a playroom during church. It is supposed to be an extension of the nave with a lot higher tolerance level. But not a playroom. 
I'm mostly unaware of what goes on in there, but from time to time I do hear that it can get a little loud and rambunctious and that the adults abuse it maybe even more than the children. They use it as a conversation area, sometimes like the narthex, which is another extension of the nave. We are called to leave the world and enter into the heavenly kingdom by transitioning through the nave, through the narthex into the church. Therefore, we shouldn't leave the heavenly kingdom and then transition and use the narthex as the world again. That wouldn't make sense. Nor should we think of the young family room or the nursing area or even the self-fellowship as the world. It's still a part of the church. We have speakers in every one of those areas. But we tolerate and even encourage you if your children need to, because it's a long service and it requires them to concentrate, to go to these places, but not to make these places noisy and cut off from what's going on in the church. Otherwise, we are not doing our due responsibility as parents to train these children to be worship and prayer warriors who know how to do the work, the divine work of the liturgy. It's not by accident that it's called liturgia, liturgy, because it literally means holy work of the people. And it is work. It's work for us who are adults and it's work for our children and it's double work for us as parents of young children. But I want you to think of this. That if you set really good boundaries and you're very consistent in applying those boundaries to your children and you learn which battles you need to win I promise you that as your children grow, they will learn how to worship, how to pray, how to be watchful, how to cut off other thoughts, how to deny themselves. And these are all absolute necessities for all of us to be successful as Orthodox Christians until our last breath, living in the world that we live in. If we're not learning these skills, which start here, then we're going to be very, very unsuccessful at battling the evil one and his demons in the world. So my dear brothers and sisters, love, courage, devotion, self-sacrifice, these are the virtues that the Panagia displayed in leading her band of myrrh-bearing women to the tomb. Not afraid, totally focused on doing the right thing by their Lord and Savior. They were only afraid when they realized that He had risen from the dead and they had been visited by angels and it was mind-blowing what was happening. We as parents need to cultivate these same virtues. Raise up our children and raise up our standards so that we are really truly training them in the way that they should go so that when they are older they will not depart from it. The Lord said, and I close with this, Do not hinder the children from coming to me for to such is the kingdom of God. The last thing we want to do is hinder the children from coming. 
but we want them to truly be children of God and learn how to worship and praise God in an appropriate manner. And that takes tremendous discipline and self-sacrifice and love and courage on our part as parents, on our part as fellow brothers and sisters. As they say, it takes a community to raise a child. It takes a village. And we are truly a community, the body of Christ. So let us all work together in helping our children to be true prayer warriors and know what it means to stand before the throne of God and worship in spirit and truth. Amen.